0: Migdal and the sea Camp there along the shore, across from Balsaphon, then the, excuse me, then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness, and once again I will harden the Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I planned; I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After the, this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped where they—excuse me—camped where they're as they were told, and we're going to skip all the way down. Many of us are very familiar with the story, but they were trapped. They were, they were against the Red Sea, per se. They had the Red Sea to their back, the mountains to the right and to the left, and they had Pharaoh's army in front of them. But I want to I go all the way down, all the way down. It says this, then the Lord said to Moses. Now, the Lord was speaking to Moses. His people were grumbling. Oh, Moses, what did you do to us? We could have just died in slavery. It would have been cool there. But this is what he says, why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity. Lord, would you anoint every word spoken this morning. Lord, we give you free reign in the service to speak to your people. Would you challenge, encourage, and stretch us in faith in Jesus' name? And everyone said Amen. So I read this story. I'm, I'm normally not a storyteller, but anything with a little bit of military history, and I, I got to share it. I got to plug it in. But I found this interesting. So back in, I think it was World War II, they had this Arab general that what, what he would do is any spy that would come into his country, he, he would punish them to death. But here's the thing. The kicker was he would give them two options. He would say you could either die by firing squad or you could face the big black door. Ooh, the big black door. And they, they, every time they would look at it, he said, every single time, everybody that was caught and punished to death, they contemplating it for a moment, but they always chose the firing squad. Every single time. So the aide to the general said, man, i got to ask you a question. Why, why do they choose this? He's like, I don't know, man. I give them a choice. And so the aide just kind of popped in his head and asked the general, and said, what's behind the black door? And the general uttered these words. Freedom. But very few people are brave enough to take it because they can't see what's beyond it. Man, I tell you, if a story doesn't speak to what we just spoke to in Exodus and what some of us have gone through in our lives and maybe going through this morning, that we have a choice. We can live in fear. It seems comfortable. We go back to it like, well, this is the known. The firing squad is the known commodity. But what God is wanting us to do is to set us free from that stuff and walk into maybe the unknown. It's known to God, but it's not known to us. He's wanting to challenge us and shift our focus on what it is that we cannot see, but we know that it is from God. Can I hear an amen this morning? But why don't they choose it? Maybe maybe this morning as I spoke on Moses and the Red Sea, What's the Red Sea in your life this morning? That's a question I want that to resonate in your heart. What's that challenge? What's that obstacle? What do you feel like your back is up against and you feel like at all odds, man, there ain't no way I'm getting out of here. What is that in your life? I just want you to kind of pop that in your brain this morning. But see, we have a choice in life. Everything we do, we can live by fear or we can live by faith. Two choices. You can't have both at the same time. If we choose fear, you will never experience the true satisfaction of taking a risk with God. But if you live by faith, you will have a new found freedom in Jesus Christ. I could tell you this firsthand, choosing fear. Choosing fear simply not because I I want to be wrapped up in this, not because I, I want this, but because it's comfortable and it's what I know. So I chose to stay in the fear rather than walking in the freedom, and not just the freedom, but the liberation of walking out of the prison cell this morning. But we have a choice. Some of us are still living in fear. Even, I, I really don't, people, I don't, I don't believe people make the conscious choice to say, I'm just going to live in fear today. Wake up in the morning, Lord, I'm going to live in fear all day today. I'm afraid of everything. They don't do that. But when pressure comes, come on, when the enemies come, the pressure comes in, self-preservation kicks in. You're like, ah, 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 I don't want no part of this. But fear is the formula for failure. I can trace every failure in my life back to fear. And fear equals not trusting in God. It's as simple as that. We like, we like to get these big Christian words and, and try to really complicate it so we look all fancy. But it comes down to trust and obedience. Do you believe God is who he says he is? Do you believe God can do what he says he's going to do in your life? Can I hear an amen this morning? But fear is the formula to failure. I could trace it all back. But I promise you I'm going to end on a good note this morning. That we're going to figure out how we replace that. Because I know many of us ask, how can I replace that fear with faith? And not just now when I'm feeling good, but when I'm actually under the pressure. Because it's one thing to come up here like, oh, fear, you can go to hell. And in Jesus' name, I rebuke fear and I take up faith. It's easy to do it on the stage. It's easy to do it when I'm filled with faith. But when you're backed up in a corner and you feel like everything's against you, it's a challenge. It's something that we all face. See, Exodus tells us about the Israelite people. They lived in bondage. They lived in bondage for years and years and years, hundreds of years, matter of fact. They just witnessed, or they had witnessed, ten plagues. They had witnessed the first Passover. If anybody should have been filled with faith, it's these people. So don't be disheartened or just don't get into that mindset like, Lord, if you would show me something, I would have the faith because it's wrong. Because you know it's wrong. You know that no matter what he does, you either have the faith or you don't. You see him moving in your life or you don't. These people had every reason to believe God, to say who he is, for God to believe. I'm going to double tie that. They had every reason to have faith. But they chose fear. They blamed Moses for everything. They blamed God. Why did you bring us here? Moses was leading these people away from the Pharaoh, but they had to cross the sea. So you notice in the scripture, he didn't say, I'm going to send an airship for you. I'm going to supernaturally build a bridge. I'm going to let you walk around the sea. No, he said, I want you to go right through it. Because here's the thing, in life, to have faith build up, you have got to face your fears head on. And you've got to walk through your fear. You can't just avoid it. Man, if anybody knows how to avoid things, it's me. I love my wife's laughing because she knows I avoid it if I can. Like, oh, uh, I'm going to take this way. I'm going to go this way. But God said, come on. I want you to go through it because there's a learning process for each and every one of us. There's a faith building for each and every one of us. If we would face our fears head on and travel right through it. And God wants to do that in our lives this morning. I'm telling you. But I want to use the Israelite people as an example. What fear can do if we replace it, fear. Or if we replace, I'm getting tongue-tied all this morning. Let's move. <laughs> but what does is, what is fear do in our lives? The first thing, you can write this down. It makes you skeptical. See, they turned on Moses. Not enough graves in Egypt, huh? He had to bring us all out in the wilderness to die out here. Like we were just totally cool, not traveling all this way to suffer in this camp and die. But see, when we fear, when we doubt ourselves, others, and God, that's what fear breeds. You doubt God. Even if he clearly wrote it in the sand, even if he clearly told you, if he spoke it through another person, when fear comes in, you will start doubting the things of God, you will start doubting the things that people spoke to you, and you will also start doubting yourself. times, if you're honest, it's easy to doubt God. You don't physically see him. It's easy to doubt your friends that are not with you. But it takes some work to doubt yourself. That takes years. That takes practice. The negative self-taught, all these things come with fear. But see, here's the thing. The things that you you ridicule, the things that we ridicule as a people are what we're most afraid of. All critics, all cynics, fear is the root of it all. It's not that we don't mind change. We fear change. Because what impact is it going to have on me? What impact is it going to have on the church? What impact is it going to have on my finances? See, it's not the actual change, it's just the the fear that we have is the root of that. Fear also makes you selfish. We talked a lot about this last week and the week before. You get into self-preservation. When you get backed into a corner, you're not worried about like, man, I I don't know how I'm going to get all these people out of the room. No, I'm worried, how am I going to get out of this room? I see a door there, I see a door there. You get into human nature of self-preservation. It makes you selfish when you fear. But if you recognize that, you could rise above that because you don't focus on yourself. You focus on God. See, what they were telling, see, what they were seeing, they were seeing the mountains, they were seeing uh, Pharaoh's army, they were seeing the Red Sea, but God was saying, do you see me? Are you looking to me? Don't look at your problems this morning. Don't look at your circumstances this morning. Keep your eyes fixed on me. We see this in Scripture in verse 11 in Exodus. And they were saying, look what you've done. Throwing accusations at Moses. Look what you've done. This is all your fault. And it's not like... They were being dragged. You know, we get to this place where pressure comes, and all of a sudden the first thing we do is start blaming other people. Man, I remember seeing somebody drag you here. You got here for a reason. Somebody might have guided you here this morning. But they went right to blame, passing the buck, running from responsibilities. They're like, oh, man, let's go back to Egypt. I'm okay with being a slave, but I don't like the pressure. Fear also makes you stubborn. I don't want to see any of you you wives nudging your husbands. That was meant to be a joke. We resist change that we're afraid of. When they said, didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt? What they were really saying is, why did you rock the boat? Why did you go against the status quo, per se? See, this kind of fear is going to keep you from growing. It's going to keep your business from growing, and it's going to keep the church from growing, and the devil knows it. If he can riddle his people, God's people, with fear that we don't want to move. See, what fear does is it keeps you exactly where you're at. You don't always have to go backwards to be in fear. But what it does prevent you from doing is going forward. And the devil doesn't want to see the kingdom of God prevailed. He doesn't want to see his people move forward in advancing the kingdom of God. But see, that's what fear does. It puts a wall right in front of us. God was ready to set them free. And they said, leave us alone. Let us suffer. This was their human response. Fear also makes you short-sightedness. When they came to the Red Sea, they said they would rather be slaves than die in the wilderness. Let's go back to the good old days. Yeah, I know we were beat. I know that we were enslaved. I know we were starved. But let's go back. Never, ever, 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 ever let your memories dwarf your dreams or your visions. Because if you do, you will never see them come to pass. Thank goodness for the the, the good old days and the memories and the foundation that was built before us. But we need to walk in the vision and the dreams that God has given his people today. Can I hear an amen this morning? But that's for us. What has he given us that maybe some of us are just gripped in fear? I'm not qualified. No, you might not be, but God has called you. I'm not handsome enough. It doesn't matter. God has called you. I'm not educated, it doesn't matter, God has called you. I don't know if I, God doesn't matter, It. God has called his people to move. Like we talked about last week, like pray, and then pray, pray. But it's time to go, go, and actually do the word of God in your life, and actually see the fruit of that before us. But short sightedness. they wanted to retreat, they wanted to go back, they had this so little faith that God was going to intervene. They literally saw all this crazy stuff, plagues, first Passover, released from prison for 400 years. But they had so little faith that God would show up for whatever reason. You ever had that moment when maybe you're like me and something breaks down in your car? And you've seen somebody just heal the cancer? you seem God move powerfully in a service or maybe in your workplace. But for whatever reason, when it comes to my vehicle, God cannot intervene. I, for whatever reason, I catch myself every now and then like, oh, man, if I would just have help. God's I could just imagine him looking down. it's like, man, you just saw me heal a brother from cancer. You just saw my power and authority. And now you're questioning that I can't fix something in your car? Think about it. We doubt the small things. It's not always the big things. We believe in the big moves of God, but the small little itsy, bitsy, bitsy, bitsy things. Oh, God, you can't touch that. Or maybe we feel like it's an inconvenience to God. God's omnipresent. He's everywhere, like we were all the time at all times. The devil's one fallen angel. He can only be one place at one time. I'm just telling you they're not equal, not the same. One's the creator, one's not. But they wanted to retreat, preferred bondage. But see, so many of us are living this way. I live this way. I would rather live in bondage, rebellion, shame, guilt instead of being set free. And by getting set free, it means that you release it and you risk it all for Jesus. That's what salvation is. You're saying, I've exhausted everything, I've done everything, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but. Lord, I know I need you, and I'm risking everything. I'm risking my life. I'm risking my reputation. I'm risking whatever it is that I thought. I'm giving it all to you so that you can move in my life, that I would accept Jesus into my life. I'm so afraid to let go and let God. Maybe if some of us are here this morning. You lived in fear for so long that you don't even know what living in faith even is. The pastor, you talk about fear. I know fear. Everything you just said, man, I got all that stuff on my my refrigerator. I know what fear is. But how do I move from that? How do I move into faith? How do I replace fear with faith in my life? I am so glad you asked me this morning. How can you take risks in faith and not caving into fear? Like I said before, it's easy to do it when things are good, but how about when there's pressure? Maybe the first step is becoming a Christian. Which will give you an opportunity to later to in the service to do. Or maybe you're a believer that you just need to step out in a new arena, but something is holding you back. It's fear of something, someone, of inadequacy, of I can't do's. Somebody told me I couldn't. But we're gonna talk about that this morning, moving to the next level in faith. The first thing you need to do is you gotta get the facts. Anything that requires faith is going to have an element of risk to it. But God tells us there is a, a right and there is a wrong way to do this. He doesn't want us taking foolish risks. That is not faith. Jumping off a cliff simply because you believe God could do it and, and, and save you, that's not faith. That's crazy. Okay, that, That's cray-cray. That's crazy. I know God could save me, but he's looking at me, fool, why are you jumping off the cliff? I didn't tell you to do that. But how many Christians, come on somebody, how many Christians were just jumping, leaping in faith? You do not walk on faith, you walk by faith. There's a big difference. In Proverbs, I'm going to read a lot of Proverbs, apparently I need some wisdom today. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 16, the Bible tells us, wise people think before they act. I could preach a sermon on that. fools don't, and even brag about their foolishness. Proverbs 23, 23 says this, get the truth and never sell it. Hold dear to it, never let it go, is what it's saying. Also get wisdom, discipline, and make good judgment. Well, how do I do that? When you make big decisions in your finances and your relationships and your life, seek mentorship. Seek people that have done it before. Don't take it as a sense of pride, like, oh, I gotta come to somebody to ask for advice. Man, we gotta find some Paul's in our life. We gotta pick up some Timothy's in our life in Jesus' name. There's people that need to be mentored. If you don't have one, you need to find one. Spiritual parents, grandparents, mentorship, it doesn't matter what it is. Somebody in your life needs to be able to tell you no. And not just your wife. But it has, somebody has to be able to tell you no. And also give you advice. And here's the thing. You have to listen sometimes. I'm not saying you have to listen every single time. But somebody has to have that honor and privilege in your life to speak life into you. Because they have an outward perspective. They're looking at your life, at the whole picture. And it needs to be people that obviously are, are following God and listening to God, because that's the kind of counsel and advice that you need to be seeking. But it needs to be from someone else. God, give me a word. I gave it to him to give it to you. You're going to listen to him? God's checked me on that a few times. Read a book, seminar. Evaluation is the second thing you need to do. You've got to count the costs. And I, I know we, in America, we don't like costs. Oh, cost associated with everything. Yes, there is a cost associated with everything. you got to find out why you're doing what you're doing. Right now in this moment, you've got to find out why you're doing what you're doing. Count the cost of time, money, reputation, emotional energy. Also count the cost of not doing it. We like to forget about that, but there's also a cost of not following God's will. Your life goes into shambles and disarray. and Oh, why am I circling the mountain round and round and round and round again? It's because we're not listening to God and he's trying to give us a way out this morning. Jesus even told his followers... You've got to, ah, don't even come to me, disciples. Don't even approach me in faith until you've figured out what the cost is going to cost you this morning. He told them very clearly in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And I'm going to skip down a little bit. And he says this, but don't begin until you count the costs. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? you got to understand something. It's not a lack of faith to evaluate. It's actually quite the opposite. It's a faith builder. When you look at the plan that God has given you for your life, and you're walking it out in faith, and you're evaluating, what is the cost? What is it going to cost me? And then you can charge ahead with all the courage and the faith that God has given you. I've had to lay things down. I hear people all the time, oh, I want to be a preacher. I want to be working kids zone. If you count the cost of how many gray hairs you're going to have on your head after you work with the kids, we laugh, but there's a cost to everything. To stand on the stage, there's a heavy, heavy cost. To do what you do in ministry, to do what you do in your careers, there was a cost of time, money. There was a cost of something. And it had to be worth it enough for you to pursue it, yes? Evaluate it. Proverbs 20, 25 says, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Lord, if you would just do this one time, I promise. Come on, how many of you all heard that? I promise just this one time. If I could have this, take this from me. Or let me have that. carry that burden instead. You better count the cost. Each decision has a price tag. You need to know it. Preparation. You need to plan your steps. Plan your steps. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 14, 15, the Bible says, only simpletons (laughs) love that word. Only simpletons believe everything they are told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. You don't charge into battle without a plan. I don't know any army on Earth that would just go, "We're just going to wing it. I have no idea what we're doing. We're just going to throw some people on the ground, some tanks, and we're good. God's with us. God's got this, but see, that's crazy. Did God give you that plan? Did that? God give you that strategy? Or are you just coming up with your own and you want some Holy Spirit sprinkle juice on that? Come on. you got a plan. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. That's a lot of Proverbs this morning. We can make our plans, but here is the key. Here is the kicker. The Lord determines our steps. See, this is a both and. We can plan, but we're also supposed to be seeking God. God, give us wisdom. Give me counsel. Give me direction. Give me favor. Let it be your will, not my crazy will. It has to be both and. We make the plans. God directs us. Conversation, prayer. When you plan, pray, and ask God to direct you, things will go out, will go well. If you pray without a plan, you're going to have problems. If you plan and you don't seek God's will and you don't pray, you're going to have problems. I'm catching my drift this morning. You have to have a both and Maybe some of you this morning said, man, I don't make plans. I don't organize. I don't set goals. I just live by faith. I don't need plans. I got faith. I'm just going to walk into fire, and God's just going to show up. God's there. But see, here's the thing. That isn't faith. That's presumption. God wants us to make plans in our life. He really does. He wants us to dream. But he wants to be a part of it. And we need him to guide us. You don't walk on faith. I already said this before. You don't walk on faith. You don't just jump for the sake of jumping and believing God can. You listen to the word of God. Moses listened to the word of God. He didn't just take the Israelites, hey, let's go camp on the beach and just chill. Like, it wasn't just his plan. No, God specifically told him, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. This is how I'm going to protect you until I tell you to raise your staff and part the sea in Jesus' name. But see, God clearly spoke to him. There was a conversation. Next, you have to declare it. You have to announce your goal. You have to announce it. See, we don't tell people our goal because we're afraid to fail and look bad. Can I be honest with you this morning? This is a symbol of God speaking to me. I had the choice as a pastor because that, you know, God's still working on me, but I had the choice to not have the tank up here this morning because nobody had formally registered to be baptized in water. So instead, I actually had the thought, man, God, if I put that up there, I'm going to look like a fool. We got a big tank of water, ain't nobody being baptized. And he said, Son, what are you preaching on today? Hmm, okay. And he told me, there's going to be one specific person that I'm going to speak to and it's going to make you uncomfortable for a reason because I'm going to stretch you, son. And I'm going to show all the people that it's not just then that, yes, too, a pastor needs work, needs adjustments, and is human. But I could have made the choice to live in fear and said, oh, just put it away. Nobody will ever see it. Nobody will even know we're doing water baptisms today. Come on, I'm just being vulnerable and honest with you guys. You wouldn't have even known. But I put it up there in faith why not just because i'm gonna put water on the stage and something's gonna happen no god specifically told me to do so and i fought him for two services to do it this is gonna be crazy here we go i I gotta have somebody raise their hand come on how many preachers and pastors out there like you know you give the altar call ain't nobody raise your hand that's kind of awkward like we feel the awkward silence But that puts you in a place that you have to truly rely on God. And that is what he was teaching the Israelites at this moment. You've got to rely on me. I know it doesn't look like it should. But you've got to rely on me this morning. But you've got to announce it. Goals are statements of faith. They're statements of prayer. They're they're proclamations. You need to share it with your spouse. You need to share it with your family. We need to share it with the church. Because what that does is it builds support. She's not going to support me if I don't. Tell her what God has spoken to me, and I'll get one of, you know, she'll either say, Oh, that's that's no, it's not from God. That's the coffee and the pizza combined. Or she'll say, Yes, I can get behind that because I know that's God. And it gives you support, just like when we say, Hey, we're gonna launch another campus. If I were to sit over here or Pastor Monty would just to be Whispering to himself and not sharing it and proclamating it and declaring it to his people? How could you be behind it? How could you support it financially? How could you support it with your works and your abilities and your talents that God gave you? No, we need to declare it loud. But a lot of us don't want to because we're afraid. Because if we speak it, oh, what if it doesn't happen? What happens if you don't say it? I count the cost on the other side a lot more than I count the cost of doing. I'd rather be a fool for God than a fool for the world. I stole that from my wife. Thank you, babe. But why do we tell others to dream, to go? Why do we share these things? Because you got support. It builds faith. It attracts people to that. That's a vision I can get behind. That's something I can get behind and support. But if we keep it secret, you'll never know. Don't keep it secret from your spouses either. Initiation. This is my favorite part. This is the... Let's go and launch out part of it. See, it's kind of like a trapeze artist. So if you've known me for any bit of time, five minutes, you know that I'm visually oriented. I have all kinds of crazy, like, visuals and all kinds of cool things that God speaks to me. And this is just how I think. So I'm thinking of this like this trapeze artist. Everybody know what a trapeze artist is, right? So in order to get to the other, in order to get to the next step, in order to get to the next whatever, what do they have to do with the bar that they are on? They've got to release it and let go. But see, we got too many Christians doing this. Well, I'm going to do it one of these days. I'm going to get in a growth track in groups one day. I'm going to commit my life to Christ one day. And we're going back and forth. And we're praying, God, would you help me? And he's like, man, you've been swinging for a while. God, would you be with me? And what he told Moses was, stop praying and Go you done prayed. You got the answers. You got the confirmation. I've given you everything you could possibly need. Now you've got to move those two feet. They've got to go. You've got to raise your staff. You've got to raise whatever it is that God has given you in your life. The abilities, the talents, the callings, the anointing. Whatever it is that he has given you, you've got to move. Because faith without action is dead. It's useless. It's worthless. But we've got to move. Beyond our comfort, we gotta challenge our faith, or we gotta face our fears head on and go right through them this morning. What are you holding on to? And it's that initial pain. So when they leave, the trapeze artist leaves and they grab a hold of the next. It's kind of painful when you hit it at first, right? When you get to the initial shock of change in your life. But do they let go? Crazy ones do. No, you hold on to it. and You know, I I leaped because God told me to leap. Yeah, it it stung a little bit, but I'm hanging on because it's going to take me to the next. It's going to take me to the next. It's going to take me to the next because you can't be that crazy trapeze artist that's like, oh man, I I think I can reach both. I'm going to hang on to the past. I'm going to try to reach the other one. It's not going to work. He's reaching for the other one. He's going this way. I'm getting a stretch, y'all. But what God is telling him to do is Leave it behind. What got you here is not going to get you to the next. There's some things you've got to leave behind. You've got to let go of the past to grab a hold of the future. Men, you've got to let go of security to grab a hold of opportunity. Okay, I, I could feel the oxygen suck out of this room. Preaching to myself, guys. Dif- difficulty of taking a risk is letting go. It's simple as that. Why don't people want to take a risk in business? Because they don't want to let go of what they know. This is comfortable. This is what I know. Nothing. I I can control this. It's a controlling thing. Fear is controlling. But there comes to a point where there's a point of no return where you have to face your fears head on. The Israelites had no other option. And God knew that. He says, I'm going to put you in a position where you have no other option but to trust me. And then here we got Moses praying. He's like, stop praying. You've done that. It's time to move. They had the opportunity to believe in faith, but they responded in fear. They wanted to go back to slavery. Think about that. They actually chose that as a better option in this situation, to go back to slavery than to be set free. But fear does that. It it allows us, or it, it convinces us that the comfortable and the past and the things before are better than the things of next, the things of the dreams and the visions that God has given you. The enemy wants to confuse you. He wants to put fear in your life. So that you always revert to the the good old days or, or or the past or the 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 this and make it so unappealing and uncomfortable to walk into the next simply because you can't see it. You don't believe God because you can see him. You believe God because you've seen him move in your life. You've seen the wrecking ball change in your life. You've seen lives transformed. You've heard testimonies of God and his goodness. You've read the word. You know his promises. You know his character. But it's not because you can physically see him. Food for thought. So why do we stay in these destructive behaviors? And I'm going to close here. These destructive situations. Why do people still stay in addiction? Why do people still stay in the cycle of prison and their family and their grandparents and their parents? Why do people still stay in the spiritual prison? The same reason the Israelites did. Afraid of freedom. It sounds crazy. Like if I ask anybody in this room, do you like freedom? The answer unanimously would be yes. But if I ask somebody... That has never experienced freedom, both in the physical and in the spiritual, they would have to think about it. If I asked an Iraqi during the Iraq war, Do you want freedom? You know what they would do? They would count the cost and they would think about it. What does that mean? To us, freedom is just this thing that, this gift that we've been given. But there's so many people that are struggling in our community that don't understand the concept of freedom, that it's a free gift for us to get a hold of. But you also have to let go and let God. What's the solution when you're backed in the corner? I turn to Psalms 56, chapter 3 and 4. And the psalmist writes, but when I am afraid. See, I love that. There's a human touch here. I love reading through the Bible and knowing that, you know what, there's some humans in here that struggle with all kinds of stuff so we can relate. But he says, but when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? When you get backed in a corner, fear is gripping you. What do you do? Put your trust in God. See, courage isn't the absence of fear. I can tell you firsthand I've experienced fear that is life-altering and gripping. But I've seen men and women courageous. And when asked, aren't you afraid? Oh, I was very afraid. But what courage is, is it's moving on through fear despite of what they're afraid of. And I believe that in this place this morning, I believe God is really asking his people, it's time to have that kind of courage. He's not saying that you're not going to. He's saying, I want you to persevere and push through the fear and know that I'm going to guide you every single step of the way this morning. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I'm not Moses, I'll tell you that. Although we do have a Moses in the crowd, his name is Moses. But I'm pleading to you: it's time to get moving. We have an entire generation of people to reach in, outside these walls in the city of Caldwell, and your respective businesses and your workplaces. It does no good whispering to ourselves, praying to ourselves, talking amongst other Christians but what are we doing to walk it out? What are we walking? Are we just in our own comfort? Or are we willing to walk in the bar to have a soda with somebody just so they can experience some light? Are we walking? So this is my appeal to you. It's time to get moving. One day, I'm gonna find a small group to plug into. One day, I'm gonna get into growth track, but maybe one day, I'm gonna put God first and I'm gonna receive Jesus.